0: All right, in uh, chapter 42 of Genesis, we saw how Jacob sends his 10 sons uh, to Egypt, excluding Benjamin, because again, he was playing favorites and kept him close to his heart. And they go going and bow down to Joseph and uh, in fulfillment of prophecy that, that God had given uh, Joseph. And of course, Joseph... Seeing who they are, of course, puts on an act and acts like he doesn't know them. He accuses them of being spies, speaks harshly to them, puts them in prison uh, for three days. And uh, he doesn't do that because he hates them. He does that because he loves them. And he wants to see if their hearts had really changed. And uh, he keeps Simeon when he sends them home. They're in prison, and uh, the brothers go back to Canaan, and uh, to bring Benjamin back with them. And of course, Jacob does not want to let him come, but does allow that as we'll, we read this morning. And the money, of course, was put back in their their sacks, and uh, he did that as a gift not as a way to frame them or to hurt them in any way. And, of course, he's a type of Christ, Joseph. And so, as I said last week, be careful about having an accusative eye towards God because you don't like something that's happening in your life. He's in charge, and he's having everything work in your life because he loves you and cares for you. That's so important for us uh, to understand and yet at first when they get back and uh, Jacob gives these famous words uh, found in verse 36 of 42. Everything is against me. He thinks the worst. This you might say is his famous statement. Uh, but uh, if you are a believer, everything is working for your good. And we talked, we've talked about providence And uh, I really have never defined it. And I found a good definition of providence. And uh, it's actually from the Westminster uh, Catechism. And I'm searching for it right now in my scriptures. But it says this, providence. God's works of providence are his most holy, wise, and powerful Preserving and governing of all his creatures and all their actions. Quote, unquote. The doctrine of providence teaches Christians that they are never in the grip of blind fortune, chance, luck, or fate. All that happens to them is divinely planned. And each event comes as a new summons to trust, obey, and rejoice knowing that all is for one spiritual and eternal good. And that, I think, is, is, is well put by one author. And so, remember, don't despair. God is there. That was Janine's title last week, and I, I love that. And uh, so, Joseph is testing his brothers to see if they really have remorse in their heart. Uh, uh, have they repented they've been lying for 20 years to their father have they changed would they bring Benjamin back with them to Egypt this is what Joseph wants to know but I want to look at this morning in chapter 43 what reminds us of Christ we have uh, the table before us this morning and so I wanted to really focus on that there are four sections that we'll deal with and We as Christians, as we read the scriptures, should always think of Christ. We should always be looking for Christ in the scriptures, even in the Old Testament. And I think we find him here this morning, particularly the grace of Christ. And we see grace poured out in this passage this morning, as we do in the table. That is grace poured out on this table before us. And in verses 1 through seven we find the dilemma uh, there is a great dilemma and that is that the famine for Jacob and his family have gone on and lasted longer than he thought it would and all the grain that they had is gone and I'm sure he was hoping for one trip you know, okay they made it back good that's done and now and all of a sudden no the famine has lasted so long that they have to go back So we find Jacob in a dilemma. He's really between a rock and a hard place, you might say. Uh, If I don't, if we don't go back and, and stay here, we'll starve. Or we can take the risk of sending them back with Benjamin and they all get killed. But we starve if we don't. And so that was a real dilemma. It reminds me in 2 Kings chapter 7 of the four lepers that were outside the gate. And they said, you know what? We can stay here and starve or we can go over and see if the Syrians will have mercy on us. And so they do. And they get over there, remember, and the enemy is gone. And then they have all this stuff that they've been blessed with. And they say, now what should should we do? Should we take all of this for ourselves or should we go back and tell others? And it's a great uh, sermon for witnessing, but that's really not the subject this morning. But really we find sinners are in the same dilemma uh, with regard to Christ. Deep down, uh, they are already and know already that they're condemned. Matter of fact, we find in... Uh, that's right, I left that one out. John 3:36, that the wrath of God abides on them. That's their dilemma. The wrath of God is on them, no doubt about it. And uh, so the rock is: if we do nothing, we will perish. But the hard place for the sinner is: uh, if we come, God may not accept us. Because we've been sinful for so long, we don't measure up. We're so wicked. Uh, We'll be rejected. We'll be condemned. The truth is, they're between a rock and a soft place. Have you ever thought of that? This table before us is not a hard place. This is a soft place. Because Jesus... Has paid it all. The wrath of God is gone, and we come to the soft place to Him. They thought Joseph was against them. They thought Joseph was a hard place. Joseph, type of Christ, was a soft place. He loved them, wanted to do nothing but good for them, wanted them to repent, and He wanted to bless them, and He did. And so God invites sinners to come just as they are. You can't impress Him by what you do because Jesus has already done it all. And all to Him I owe. He's not interested in all your goodness. It says it, Jacob, did you notice? He sent gifts with them. You know, maybe, hopefully... Getting Joseph, as they called the man, because they didn't know who he was, to have mercy on them. So they send gifts. You don't bring anything to God. You come as you are, just as I am without one plea. What is the promise of Christ to those who come? Matthew chapter 11, 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you a hard time. Oh, no, no, it doesn't say that. It says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. That's what Joseph was. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think Jesus said it quite well. Do you want to be free from the penalty and power of your sin? Come to Jesus. This morning, come to the table if you're a believer and find rest for your soul. You know, you don't don't put on makeup to come to God. You don't put on perfume, although sometimes that's a good thing. You don't bring all your goodness to Him, but you come just as you are. You don't clean up first. No, you come to Jesus. He'll clean you up. You know, Jacob didn't know for sure that he would find grace from Joseph. Think about that. He wasn't sure. He thought the man was going to treat him harshly, get him back for the money being found and what have you, not knowing that, no, all Joseph had for them was grace. But you know what? We do know. Jacob didn't know about Joseph. We know about Christ. See the difference? We know that we will be accepted. Flee to him. Don't flee to your goodness. Don't flee to your righteousness because it's filthy rags, but flee to Christ. The second thing in verses 8 through 14 is the decision. Jacob decides to send Benjamin, and it, when we read that this morning, you could, uh, you could see a change of heart, I could anyway, in Jacob. And he sends gifts along, and sends nuts, you know, I said, well, I mean they had nuts to eat and this other stuff, well, grain was a staple, and they needed grain, they did not have that. And uh, they sent even extra money. It was interesting because it was 20 bags. 10 bags from the previous time and 10 bags this time. That's 20 pieces. How much did they sell Joseph for? 20 pieces. I wonder if they thought about that. I doubt it. But anyway, so what does Jacob do for his sons? We found that in verse 14 of 43. Look at verse... 14, this is Jacob speaking in uh, Genesis 43. And may God Almighty, that's El Shaddai, give you mercy before the man, that he may release your other brother in Benjamin. And he says, if I am bereaved, I am bereaved. What he's saying is, I'm leaving it in God's hands. I'm going to trust God a real believer. After all that he had done and said and thought, he says, you know what? I'm giving this to God. We need to do the same thing. We need to give all of our problems to him. And he prays that God would give them uh, mercy. And uh, we see, I think, Jacob's faith come to the forefront. Remember, Job did the same thing. He said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed. Blessed be the Lord. He gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because, see, he knows best. He knows best. Yet we think we do. I want to also focus on the interview of Judah that he had with, uh, with Jacob. And I think it's interesting that uh, Judah steps forward here. Where What tribe was Jesus from? Judah. And so the future Jesus would be the lion of the tribe of Judah. And I think in verses 8 and 9 of 43 it says, And Judah said to Israel his father, Send the lad with me. And we will arise and go that we may live and not die. Both we and you and also your little ones. I myself will be a what? A surety for him. From my hand you shall require him if I do not bring him back to you and set him before you. I think we have here Christ's picture. Interesting. Why? Because Christ. Was a surety. He is our surety. A substitute for his people. A surety is someone who takes responsibility for another. And that's what a Judah says he's going to do. A surety is someone who pays for someone else's debts. And takes on the punishment for another. It's interesting. In Genesis 44. Now turn over there. In Genesis 44 and verse 30. We find here Judah totally selfless. Who was totally selfless? Jesus. Verse 30. Now therefore when I come to your servant my father and the lad is not with us. This is what he's saying to Joseph now as he speaks before him. Since his life is bound up in the lad's life. It will happen when he sees that the lad is not with us. That he will die. So your servants will bring down the gray hair of your servant, our father, with sorrow to the grave. For your servant, that is Judah himself, and your servant became surety for the lad to my father saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I will bear the blame before my father forever. Now therefore, please let your servant remain instead of the lad as a slave to my Lord and let the lad go up with his brothers how shall I go up to my father if the lad is not with me lest perhaps I see the evil that would come upon my father completely selfless here Judah is and he says what he's saying in essence is my life for his you keep me He's a substitute. He's a surety for the lad. Brothers and sisters, Christ is our surety. Christ did that for us. He paid the debt. He died. He kept the law perfectly. He was our substitute. He was also punished for us. He took the wrath of God for us. That's what we see in the table before us. John 6, 35 through 40 says, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life in the table before us. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All those of the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never uh, I will never drive away for I have come down from the heaven not to do my will but to do the will of him who sent me and this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of all those he has given me how many is he going to lose none but raise him up at the last day for my father's will is that everyone who looks to the son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Wow, what a promise. What a promise. A surety. You know, Judah could have failed his father. Christ will never fail us. Not one of us will be lost. He won't say, you know, Sid Phillips. Sid Phillips. Now, that name's familiar well, it doesn't really matter. No, if you're his sheep, he loves you. He, he as, a, as a shepherd, would take a sheep up who is caught in a thicket and hug it and hold it. That's what he's doing with you. He loves you. And everything that goes on in your life is because he loves you. It's really summed up that easily. Then we see, thirdly, the dread in verses 15 through 25, the dread. It says that the brothers were afraid when they were brought to Joseph's house. Now, I can imagine. (laughs) I mean, here this man has given them nothing but grief, and they're brought to his house. I can't even imagine the thoughts that were going through their minds, what was going to happen. I'm sure they thought there was going to be a frame-up because of the money that was put back in their sacks. It says that, uh, uh, you know, he's going to make slaves out of us. And not only that, he's going to seize our donkeys. Do you find that interesting? What in the world would Joseph want with a bunch of donkeys? But you see, to them, donkeys were like a car to us. That's how you got around, carried things and so forth. But it's interesting how they're thinking here uh, it was valuable to them and we find here the steward here probably the interpreter for Joseph did you speaks Hebrew where did he learn Hebrew from Joseph who taught them not only that but did you notice in verse 23 what he says to the brothers I think this interpreter this steward was a believer Personally. But he said, Peace be with you. Shalom. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has given you uh, you treasure and your sacks. I had your money. It's kind of like he winks at him and said, I had your money. I know what's going on. And then it says, He brought uh, Simeon out to them. So the man brought the men into Joseph's house and gave them water. Look what how they just what was lavished upon them gave them water and they washed their feet. Reminds me of somebody else who washed feet and he gave their donkeys feed. Even cared for their donkeys. Wow, amazing, amazing. It's amazing how he uh, blesses. How he blesses these brothers. They were provided for graciously. What does this remind us of as Christians? What should it remind us of? I think it reminds us of the free grace of Jesus. Joseph, in a sense, was their savior. Do you realize that? They were in his hands. He could have said off with their heads... And without any questions, without any trial, without anything, they would have been killed. He had that kind of power. And so what does he do? He freely bestows upon them grace. Just amazing. He did so freely. He gave back their money. What do we try to do? We try to offer God something to merit His favor. But after all of our trying and all of our self-efforts, the scriptures are quite plain. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the what? The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All that Joseph did for them was a gift. They didn't deserve any of it. It was a gift. Romans 3.24 says, and, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. Wow. We're redeemed. We're redeemed. We're bought back by Christ. What love. You see the love? And what does it cost us? Nothing. Isaiah 55, 1. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters. And you who have no money, come. Buy and eat. Come. Buy wine and milk without money, without cost. How gracious God is. Revelation 22, verse 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Lastly, I want to see the dinner. The dinner. He serves them dinner. Wow. What do we have before us? A table. I didn't plan it this way. This worked out this way. And I think that's the Lord, how he uh, arranged this message to uh, fit communion. He does things like that. You know, it must have been odd uh, to these brothers that uh, there was a banquet here in the middle of the day in the home of the second most powerful person in Egypt. They're treated ravishlessly in uh um, <laughs> And it says in verse 34, And he took servings to them from before him. That is off of his table. Imagine that. Off of Joseph's table. It's taken. What do we have before us? The table of Christ. And it's taken off of his table. I hope you're not missing this. But Benjamin's serving was five times as much as theirs. So they drank and were merry with him. It's interesting Hebrew word, merry here. It means uh, with alcohol. In other words, they were making merry. They were enjoying themselves. They were in the spirit of what was going on here. Their hearts became merry. They couldn't see the man had only good intentions intentions toward them. God only has good intentions towards us. Also, did you notice in verse thirty three they were seated according to their uh, birth order? That's quite astonishing in itself. When, when Joseph seats them there, they're all seated according to their birth. You know what the odds of that happening are? Forty million to one. Forty million to one. I'm sure that probably got their attention. Matter of fact, it says that they were astonished. Why did they give five times as much grain to Benjamin? I think Joseph had this taken off of his table to give to Benjamin... To see how his brothers would react. If they were going to say things like. uh, That's not fair. Uh, We deserve the same amount. He wanted to see. If their hearts really had been changed or not. And of course they had been changed. John one sixteen. out of the fullness out of his fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given grace upon grace that's what God has done for us he feeds us off of his table by faith it's all grace it's all grace it all comes from him And we're to receive it in the same way. Joseph doesn't take vengeance on them for their sins. Neither does Christ take vengeance on us for our sins. What does he do instead? He dies for us. He's punished for us. He restores their money to them. They wash their feet. He gives them a banquet. He has their donkeys fed. And by golly, it only costs $500. Is that what it says? It cost them fun? I don't find that. What do we find? It's all grace. See, grace means free. You come Freely by His grace. Bringing nothing with you. You come this morning before this table as sinners. Saved by grace through faith. In Christ, in Christ alone. Because He's paid it all. And all to Him we owe. I hope this is sinking in. What has Christ done for us? Remember when we went through uh, Ephesians. And I want you to just, at home, to go back and read Ephesians 1 through 3. What has been done for us? It's all by grace. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. All by grace. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption. We've been adopted to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious what? It's not to the praise of our glorious whatever. Because we have nothing to bring. It's his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one Christ he loves. Wow. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's what? Grace. That he lavished on us just as Joseph lavished it on his brothers because he loved them with all wisdom and understanding. Wow, what a gracious God. Why did he do this? Ephesians 1.12 says, And in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of His glory. Amen. It's to the praise of His glory. What is Christ, what has God planned for you? Ephesians, Ephesians 2.7 In order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You must come through Christ Jesus bringing nothing. You must come to Him for by grace you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Remember this morning, brothers and sisters, you are not between a rock and a hard place. You are between a rock and a hard in a soft place. His name is Jesus. And he loves you. He wants the best for you. And as Jacob as Jacob had to learn, he had to give it all to him. He had to entrust all of it to God. And say, say, whatever God wills. If I am bereaved, I am bereaved. But you know what? At this table, you should never be bereaved. Because in this table, we find grace upon grace poured out through the shed blood of our wonderful Lord and Savior. Let it sink in. I want you just to be lavished upon by the grace of God. This morning. Brothers and sisters. We need. More and more every day. The grace of God. If the men would come forward. This morning. This table before us this morning. Is the table of the Lord. It's not my table. We see in these elements of of the bread and the uh, wine, the body of Christ pictured and the blood of Christ pictured. His body was broken for you and His blood was shed for you so that you might have remission of sins. Let that sink in. All of your sins in Christ are gone as far as the east is from the west they've been separated from you if that doesn't make you rejoice this morning then you better check up because that's how good it is you will not have to answer for your sins because Jesus has already paid paid it all in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 I want to see What Paul said concerning the table of the Lord. Paul says in the institution of the Lord's Supper, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, Of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This table this morning is for sinners who know Jesus. If you have faith and trust in Christ and Him alone, you're welcomed at this table. But if you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, I would Recommend that you let the elements pass by. But remember, this is a soft place. God is forgiving and loving. Don't feel like you can't partake because you're a sinner. That's why you have to come, because you are a sinner. And that's why you're welcomed here at this table. This is not for righteous people. This is for those who are trusting Christ and are looking to Him. That's what you're saying by partaking of this this morning As I have faith in Christ. I'm trusting Him and Him alone. I want nothing but Him. And then you take it by faith, looking to Him. That's what you're saying and doing it in remembrance of Him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank You this morning for this table. Uh, Lord, it's precious to those who know you. Uh, It's precious to our hearts, O Lord, because we know the price that was paid and how our wonderful Lord died on the cross. His blood was shed. His body was broken for us that we might have everlasting life. He died that we might live. Not only live, but have everlasting life. So Lord, we just praise you and we come thanking you in our heart of hearts. Speak to us, Father. Touch our hearts, O Lord. Minister to each one. Meet each need. And we'll give you the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.